Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the PCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coach and get together have a few laughs. Your host will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. That is right, Dungeon Crawlers. This is uh, Lord Flagoon, and uh, it is a very special, special Dungeon Crawlers Radio for you. Coming at you live from Flagoon's Man Cave, or Dungeon, or whatever it is that I want to call it. It's uh, the dungeon. Dungeon? Yeah, mini dungeon. Yeah, my mini dungeon. It's not a very not a very large room, but it's 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 enough. <laughs> ah. Wow, that was a close one. <laughs> that it was. It was. I'm like I'm like where how 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 am I gonna how am I gonna call in? Oh no, oh no, oh no. And then I clicked a, cu- a couple things up at the top and then suddenly it says, Oh, now you can make a call. Yeah, and that was exactly the same time I was making the call to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, if it sounds a little weird, it's because uh, yeah, I was I was trapped in uh, in Chris's cave, which I don't see why he complains about it. It's actually quite spacious. It's not like the Underdark. There aren't any uh, there aren't any uh, you know Umber Hulks or any other you know bad nasties that can kill you really quickly. So I don't see why he was complaining. And in my wanderings, I actually stumbled on the Bat Cave, and that's actually uh, no, nah, it's not where I'm. I got out. But yeah, I found the Bat Cave. I was actually trying to make some uh, rudimentary communications with Joe during the show, but uh, sadly he he wasn't able to see what I was saying. Yeah, my uh, my perception is not so good on that one. Well, it also didn't help that I was trying to do smoke signals and I was in a cave. <laughs> yeah, that's a flaw in that plan. So it was it was a little little skewed uh, mentality there. Yeah. So unless you were you know uh, sitting under a rock the last few weeks, the reason why we were doing this very special Saturday episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radios, we have. Yet another of the Sundering Six. Troy Denning, mm-hmm. New York Times bestselling author, writer of book five in the Sundering event that is launching us into D&D Next, The Sentinel. And, uh, you know, this is this, I'm looking forward to this, this interview because, uh, seriously, this, the, he has got basically, like, you know, he's writing about a paladin, and that's like 90% of our questions that we get are about paladins. So it'll be nice to to hear from an expert, so to say, 
Yeah. Uh, on the on the subject. And, oh yeah, let's yeah. Uh, we'll get a fourth opinion. Getting a fourth opinion. So uh, yeah, we're uh, the call should be coming in soon. Like in like sixty seconds. Uh yeah, about yeah sixty seconds, about two minutes or or, or so. So uh, I guess I could kind of share a little thing that I had on Geek News that I didn't get to share because I was stuck in the back cave. Okay, 60 seconds, go. Yes, a uh, five-year-old was able to hack a PlayStation 1. Or not a PlayStation 1, but an Xbox One. Ah. Yeah, he figured out that if you put in the wrong password and then put in, and then it prompts you to put in this password again, if you just put in a bunch of spaces, it'll log you in. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of an oversight on their part. <clears throat> just a bit. So, uh... Yeah, the uh, the dad who you know saw his son playing games he wasn't supposed to play, uh, they asked him how'd you do that, and the guy's like, well, and the kid's like, oh, I did this, 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 and the guy's a the guy's a tester anyhow, mm-hmm. so so like his whole thing is about his whole life is about cracking codes, and he's like, okay, so they wrote Xbox and said, hey, uh, my five year old found this out, and so as a reward they're giving him a free year, uh, uh, free year subscription to. Uh, Xbox, uh, Xbox Live. Live Gold. Yeah. Well, good thing that it was found in such an innocuous manner, because something like that could have been easily exploited. All right. Yeah. It looks like uh, Troy is on right now, so uh, let's uh, let's get him on. So let's see here. Adding people to this call. Okay. All right. Adding. And adding the call. See if we're gonna get him on here. Buffering, buffering, connecting, <laughs> connecting. Always buffering. Always buffering. Buffering's more. Hello, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Is this Troy? Yeah, this is Troy. Excellent. It's glad. To, it's really nice to have you on the show with us. How are you tonight? Great, great. I'm doing wonderful. How about yourselves? Oh well. We're 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 living the dream right now. <laughs> yeah, finally got warm weather out here in Salt Lake. Holy moly, it's just been kind of a dry and wet and nasty. Where where are you guys at? Uh, Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, and it's been wet there. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. It was just it was cold and just the rain. It dumped rain on us for days at a time, and then suddenly nothing. But finally, it looks like spring is actually here. Yeah, we have a day or two of it, but it turn, it's turning cold again tomorrow. That's what uh, that's what our uh, forecast is calling for. Where are you calling from? Um, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I got a, yeah, well, I, got actually, a, I got a Maddie friend. You got a what? I got a friend from Maddie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's quite a ways from me. I'm over close to the Twin Cities in Minnesota, actually. Oh, all right. Yeah, I live just about as far west in Wisconsin as you can and still not be in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough about geography. Let's talk the Sundering, namely the Sentinel. Uh, so for people who haven't uh, been able to uh, read the cover on this yet, uh, you know, what, what do you wanna, what, what's the biggest thing you want to uh, share about the Sentinel? Well, the Sentinel is... Um, as all of the Sundering stories are, it's ultimately a personal story um, set in a backdrop of immense social upheaval, world upheaval, actually. So the, the analogy I kind of like to give is 
imagine um, a love story set in the World War II. So you okay. have the, the, all these great, huge events going on behind you, and then you have some very personal stories um, taking place that um, is what the Sentinel is actually focused on. Okay. So like a, so a very like the more a much more intimate personal story as opposed to like a I guess a a group or a or a troop of people. Well, it 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 it, it does involve it, the story is uh concerns four people. Mm-hmm. Um and those four people become inter, their stories become intertwined and they become drawn into the events of the sundering in a in a major way, so that they're performing. Um, you know, they're they're the equivalent of the soldiers hitting the beach in D-Day, but it's a story not of of landing on D-Day. It's a story of what happens to these people as they hit the beach. Okay. So, although it's not a war story as such, it's it's a quest um, mm-hmm. story with a strong romance and and forbidden love element in it. Huh. So, how do you portray um, the the intensity then uh, of um, of such personal stories of of like of these four of these four people? Well, um, you know, it always starts with point of view. Mm-hmm. So, I start the the book with the point of view of uh, one of the main characters, uh, a fellow named Cleef Kenrick, who is the only honest watchman in uh, a very corrupt watch of. Uh, of Marsimber in Cormier. And he's, you know, I start the story with him being frustrated about his, his situation and, and trying to do the right thing in a, in a sea of villainy. And he's always, you know, he just stubbornly sticks to being honest, despite the fact that, that his honesty limits his advancement in the watch. And, and, you know, there's only like one other guy in the whole watch who's honest. And it's his story. It starts with him being frustrated with that. And during the course of those duties, he, he sees something that's not right, and he takes action, and, and through taking action, meets the other characters uh, and is drawn into the, the uh, what do we say, the realm-shattering events of the Sundering. Okay. So this has been a, this has been in a, uh, a question I've been having about the Sundering lately. So... All the stories are kind of their own standalone stories, just kind of talking about the same event. Now, are these happening, like, you know, chronologically, like one's happening, you know, at the beginning of the Sundering, and or are they all kind of happening all at the same time? No, they're happening uh, chronologically. So if you imagine um, Bob's The Companions, um, and compare, again, we go back to the... the uh, the analogy of, of World War Two. So mm-hmm. Bob's uh, companions would take a place, say, when um, uh, Germany invaded Poland, that, that kicks off the war. Then the next, uh, and, you know, the Bob's Sundering that kind of kicks off the, the companions kind of kicks off the Sundering. Then the next book, Thorn, uh, when, when um, Troy. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're just you're breaking up there here. for a second. Okay, great. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I must have, when I was thinking, I must have turned away from the the speaker. <laughs> anyway, uh, so so the next book would be the equivalent of when you know France and the Lowlands and everybody get getting drawn into the war, and it kind of goes on sequentially, so that 
it's the whole sundering um, as a series take place um, as a as a in in chronological order, moving from one theater to the next. Uh, so each story is individual and 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 separate. But when you look at the whole progression, you see the whole progression of the of the events from the very beginning with um, the companion to the end with Ed's book. Okay, I've I've actually I've been wondering about it. I've been reading uh, I've been reading up on well, I've been reading them. I'm just like, okay, so is this like happening like all at the same time or? But that that's uh, I like I like the uh, World War II analogy. Yeah, it's a good analogy. I, you know, I I worry that it gives the gives the impression that this is a war story, which it isn't, but it, it, it's of that size of scope. You know, it's just about this huge, huge event that's occurring in the background and has drawn all of these individual characters into the story. You know, we're, we're telling six stories of probably 10,000 individual stories that, that occurred during the Sundering. Yeah. So then, uh, how, how uh, being the fifth book in the Sundering series, how, how um, you know, when when the last story came out and it's, it became your turn to do it, I, how how was it? What was your reaction to the scope of everything? And then, and then what was? How did you proceed with that? Well, I've been involved in a lot of uh, some other projects through Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, with the New Jedi Order, um, Legacy of the Force, and Fate of the Jedi. And all of those, um, all of those storylines are huge multi-book storylines that had a lot of different authors working in them. And so I have a lot of experience in coordinating that kind of stuff. And basically, what happens is the authors and the editors all get together in a in a big story meeting. We sit down and we hash out the broad outlines of the story, and then we go back and and hash out the plot points for each book mm-hmm. so that you know in a meetings we all agree that this will happen in this book and x will happen in this book and x will happen in this book and by the time you leave the meetings you have a fairly good idea of what's going to happen in all of the books that precede yours and what should happen in the ones that follow yours and oh. your goal then becomes to write a, a story that connects all of the plot points that precede yours all of the plot points that follow yours while covering all the plot points that you've agreed to in the meeting. Um, it sounds like it's a, a nightmare, but it really isn't. It's a, it's a fun, inspiring process uh, because you're, you're just sitting there brainstorming with a lot of people that you really enjoy and really like. And so you, you feed off of each other that the energy gets to be really high and, and um, you know, ideas are flying faster than you can write them down almost. So, <laughs> So it, it's easy. It's a lot easier than it than it sounds. Although the coordination does take a lot of effort. I mean, you you really do have to. You know, I had to read like five books before, um, just to make make sure that I understood all of the the subtleties that don't come across in the plot points and the outlines. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, the, there's so much of that stuff that you need to know. So I'm, as I'm writing my book, I'm reading you know the preceding books and and making little adjustments and and uh, so forth like that. Yeah, to make sure that continuity stays in line. Yeah, you know, the continuity is, um, in the big stuff, is really pretty well established by the end of the, the story meetings. Mm-hmm. But the little continuity, you know, you know, somebody thinks it's, says somebody has green eyes and somebody else envisioned them as having blue eyes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to, that's the kind of thing you have to watch out for. 
fortunately, we only, um, because of the nature of the Sundering stories, the crossover characters were very limited and, and planned, and we were able to say, okay, you know, send me the, the paragraphs concerning these, par- these characters as soon as you write them. Mm-hmm. So that was very easy to, to coordinate compared to what it had been in, say, Fate of, Fate of the Jedi or, or um, the New Jedi Order, et cetera. Yeah, I, I could just imagine how uh, how hard it would be to go from, you know, you're, you have your own envision of how this character is, and you write him this way, and then you're like, okay, I haven't finished this book, and then pass the reins of that character's story to a different person. Yeah. And that, um, of course, was a situation that was much more common in the Star Wars projects that I worked on. Um, Understandable. And, yeah, and uh, because we were passing characters, you know, lots of characters, not just one or two, we were passing a whole roster of characters from person to person, from author to author. And as, you know, as much as, a, as you, in those circumstances, as much as you try to be on a common page and to coordinate everything, everybody's mind works a little bit differently. So you have slightly different interpretations, mm-hmm. which is, actually, I kind of like that because you see, you know, you like you see Luke from um, my viewpoint, and then you see him from Aaron's viewpoint, and then you see him from Christie's viewpoint. And those are all slightly different things, so I feel like you get a much rounder, more complete picture of Luke. It builds a um, more three-dimensional uh, character for, uh, for, for the readers. Yes, exactly. You know, if the readers are, are kind of in the mindset to accept that and look at it that way. Um, some readers, you know, they want, they want the, the consistency to be exactly the same from author to author. And I, I kind of find that as being, you know, to my way of, of thinking, that is like expecting all of your friends to have the same view of another one of your friends, you know. Um, everybody's going to see something slightly different in, in, a, in a common print. So in a way, you could actually say that, you know, as, as far as the Sundering series goes, the, it's, not just, it's not really the characters that are the, state, the, the, the main character, but it's the actual realm itself is the one that's getting passed from writer to writer. Oh, that's very true. That's that's um, the way we designed it, and that you know, it's it's such a big, massive thing that it's easy to pass it from writer to writer mm-hmm. um, because you know there's a lot of little details that that we never have to be in exactly the same place. So all of those little details don't have to be the same. All yeah. we really had to worry about was making sure that the progress of the sundering was where we expected it to be as we made each pass off. So how was, how did the uh, the brainstorming uh, um, go uh, when you sat down with uh, with everybody with Bob with Aaron with Ed and I can't remember his last is other the other guy um, but well, you, just sitting Richard, down with everybody yeah Richard Lee Byers yes Richard and, yeah um, it it was uh, and Paul Kemp was there by video conference um, it was really spectacularly fun. Uh, Bob and Ed and I met in the bar the night before at the hotel. <laughs> I sat down and kind of, you know, as you do when you're having drinks and you get three writers together um, in a bar, you're going to have a story start to pop up. <laughs> and so, oh, really? Yeah. We, we sat down and we kind of, you know, talked about how we wanted to approach the story and as writers and what we would be looking for. And so by the next morning when we sat down with the um, – with the uh, with Mike Merles and and James Wyatt and um, our editors and so forth, we had kind of 
we had a vision of how we would like to see the project proceed in our minds. And of course they had, um, they came into the room with um, their own kind of vision of how we would start to develop the story. And, you know, they started to make their presentation and then, you know, Bob and, and, and Ed and I kind of just said, well, why don't we try this? And to their credit, their great credit, they said, oh yeah, that'll work great. And from that point on, it was just, um, it was just fun. We sat for three days just developing the, the general arc of the story and then developing the plot points and, and having more fun than you can really, than you really should have when you're working. And <laughs> just brainstorming and generating ideas and, and laughing. Uh, and I know that there's been some videos of some of the things that we did out there on, on the Internet. And, you know, that's like probably 1% of the fun that we had. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that's always a wonderful thing when when he's like, I'm having so much fun. Wait, they're paying me for this. Yeah, this makes it even better. Yeah, and you know, at the end of three days, we're we're like, oh god, do we have to go home? <laughs> <laughs> so you actually considered moving out to Seattle when you were done there, or do they uh, do they just say, okay, you're done, flying you back? Yeah, uh, well. I guess they want to fly us back. You know, it'd be hard to move us all to Seattle, um, mainly because we all have lives in other places. But uh, Seattle's pretty nice, I have to admit. I'd, I'd like to live there sometime. Um, I actually got a. I actually had the uh, the 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 joy of of living there for a short little while while I was in the Coast Guard. And uh, of all the big cities that I, I lived in, Seattle is my favorite. Yeah, Seattle is is very nice, and I love the mountains. Um, my favorite would probably be San Diego if I was going to live in a city. Uh, I'm kind of a country guy. I grew up in um, Colorado in the mountains mm-hmm. in a small town and have never really lived in a large town. Uh, but I think I could live in, Se- in um, San Diego. And Seattle is really nice. It's a great place to visit. I'm not sure that I would actually want to live in the city itself. Oh, we ate that. That was actually our first apartment uh, outside of uh, outside of Utah was was in Seattle, and uh, yeah, great, great place. <laughs> yeah, what a difference, though, the the Utah desert to the Seattle rainforest. <laughs> it was it was quite a change. So uh, let's 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 talk about uh, your characters. Uh, so the the main character it's 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 Cleef. Uh, yeah, Cleef Kenrick. So he's a he's a uh, embittered paladin. So he's actually a, a a lawful. Is he a lawful character? Yeah, he's very lawful. Um, you know, he's he's also, he's more than lawful. He's awful good. He really tries to live by the law and do do the good thing. Um, but he's also frustrated because he worships a dead god, um, the god that's been dead for a hundred years. And uh, you know, he's he just holds on to the code of, of following this this god because his parents did, because his grandparents did, and he's just too stubborn not to do it. And through his his faith, you know, he's the guy that kind of keeps the spark of this God alive. And that's that's what makes him special and and kind of gets him drawn into the sundering with all of these other characters. Okay. Was it... Uh... He, he doesn't even re- realize, really, that he's a paladin at the start of the story. And, oh. Yeah. By the end of it, um, I think the reader realizes that he's a paladin, but I doubt that, that Cleef is really conscious of it on that level. Mm-hmm. So how, um, what sort of personal experiences helped uh, 
bring Cleef to life? Is there um, was there something that you drew upon, or did you just say, ah, "I want to make him bitter"? <laughs> um, no, I guess I guess I hadn't really thought about the personal experiences that I had, but um, there's a lot of Cleef of me in Cleef, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, there's a lot of me in all of the characters. Uh, but uh, I think for Cleef, it would be that my father was a uh, uh, state patrolman in Colorado, and also a uh, county undersheriff uh, for many, many years. And I think I see a lot of, you know, what my, what my dad was trying to, to do as a policeman in what Cleef's trying to do as, as a watchman. So although my dad fortunately never had to work with um, any corrupted departments. That's, uh, that's good. That's that example, you know, I mean, I'm sure he ran into a few bad apples, but the the bad apples that Cleef runs into are entirely from my imagination. Oh okay, yeah, that's uh, definitely one of those uh, probably one of those things. Yeah, not to draw upon. I think, <laughs> yeah. Life. So then, um, how um, um, how do you how do you portray then the um, the interaction of of worshiping a, a dead deity and someone who does, and then how how do how do other people view that? Well, um, he, he worships his dead deity. You know, he just, he has a code that he follows and he would consider it a personal failure. He would be disappointed in himself if he didn't follow this code. Mm-hmm. And other people kind of look at him and say, oh, you're crazy. Why are you following that code? Can't you see what it's costing you and, 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 and why, how ineffective it is and how, um, you know, how much trouble it, it, it creates for for you and everybody around you, but but he you know he's very lawful and he sticks to that code. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun to write with him. Um, and of course, when I started mixing him in with the other characters who don't have that same lawful uh, backbone, mm-hmm. then um, it makes for some you know interesting conflicts between the, the four main characters. Okay, so this is this is uh, Cleef's uh, debut uh, story then. Uh, yeah, it's the debut for Cleef and Arietta Seasilver, who is the the um, other main one of the other main characters. Uh, she's a um, young noblewoman who um, really believes in the duty of the nobles to help the the common citizenry. And she's a lot like Cleef in that she's one of the few people that really believes in that obligation. Everybody else is much more cynical, and, and of course, her, her frustrations are similar to Cleef's in that she's always trying to do the right thing, and she expects people to treat her well because they respect her, not because she has a lot of money and, and authority. And her frustrations are you know, constantly running into that, that aspect. But when she and Cleef get together, that's kind of what draws them together as as a as, as a love interest, um, part of a love triangle, and um, that I think I had a lot of fun with with that and and Arietta's family, you know, being totally cynical and and not understanding why she feels so obliged to to stay in Marsimber and, and fight for it when. You know, the shadow of our coming, and, and the city's obviously going to fall, and everybody's just trying to get out of town with all the treasure they can carry. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm now I'm really curious, though, then, is uh, when you're adding a, a love triangle, then how does that, I mean, how do you make something like that compare 
to the scope of the sundering in and of itself? Well, you know, that's a, a good question. And honestly, I, I think that all I do is really concentrate on the personal stories and on the characters, mm-hmm. because any story is all about character. Um, if you don't have interesting, engaging characters that, that care about other people and about the things that are going on around them, and then the story is going to kind of fall flat. So I concentrate on the characters, and just through concentrating on the characters and trying to think about what they would want at any particular time and in any particular scene, that kind of leads you into naturally pursuing those, those uh, pathways. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it has to be personal then. It has to be a very personal story. Yeah, it does. And, and um, you know, I... It, I guess when you you tell a story that isn't personal, you you know you just stick to the the surface emotions, and when you're telling a, a deeper story, you kind of go explore the emotions of each character a little more deeply, and and in in um, in turn of in terms of what's going on inside them. Mm-hmm. So then, how would you say then, like your earlier writings, um, as far as that level of detail would compare to um, to what you're doing here in the Sentinel? Um, I probably am a little more conscious of, of exploring the, the characters and I'm a little more methodical about how I work out what each character is thinking because I've just learned through experience that, that I'll write better and faster if I've taken the time to think through a certain set of questions with each character before I start writing a chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was earlier, I did a lot more by instinct, but I think Essentially, I was doing the same thing. I would write a story, and I would just try to imagine myself being that character in that position, you know, the point-of-view character, and trying to react as that character would. Um, you know, and I, I think the advantage of what I do now is that, that I can come up with a little more unpredictable responses because I've taken the time to say, would he really do that, or would he really do something else? Um, and that's the major difference, but... I think in terms of the the level of the characters that I write at, mm-hmm. I, I tend to, to still write at about the same internal level as I did when I wrote Waterdeep. Okay. Were there any particular, uh, like, stumble? I wouldn't say stumbling blocks, but just... but. Very uh, uh, difficult moments since uh, you're, you know, writing about, you know, the only good person in this, you know, pretty bad town. Did you have any uh, any uh, issues, like any moments where you're like, oh man, if he were bad, it would be a lot easier to get him out of this situation. Um, no, I didn't really have any any troubles along those lines because, you know, a character, if you just follow, if you allow the character to lead you through the story. Um, it becomes very natural and easy to do. But where I did run into problems was uh, two two aspects. It had been quite a few years. It had been about 10 or 12 years since I had written in the realm. And it had changed a lot. I mean, it, the, the time it had jumped up 100 years, and, and Abier had come to be a part of Torel. And there were a lot of new different kinds of characters there and uh, a whole different vibe, which I wasn't instinctively able to pick up as I just sat down and started writing. I spent a lot of time in that, especially in the first chapter, saying, okay, 
this doesn't feel like what like the more recent realms books that I've read. So I'd have to go back and adjust that, try to bring in other elements, and then I'd go too far, and uh, have to go chop off some of it to to kind of bring it back to what felt more natural to me. So that was the biggest the biggest as it, you know if you look view view the world as a character that was the biggest thing that I had to do to bring a, the the world into into line. Um, the other thing that kind of gave me a, a hard problem was the the shadow bar. They they had come they've advanced a lot and been fleshed out immensely since I wrote the the Arch Wizards trilogy. Um, so I would be writing along, and I would think, oh, this is, uh, you know, what, what the Archwizards would do. And I, then I would stop, and I'd go check something and, and look it up and, and find out that, whoa, no, wow, you know, the Shadowvar are a lot more capable of that. And, um, you know, I'd see some cool things that other authors had done with it, and I'd say, oh, yeah, this, you know, I'd have to incorporate that. So those are the two things that I I felt were the most difficult for me to get used to writing the realms again you know it was the new the new things that i hadn't really been around for a while okay yeah i'm okay sorry i'm, I'm still here sorry. yeah okay. i am i am i am as well i'm just i am i'm speechless right now I, I'm, well i just thought i'd cut out there for a second so um so then, um, when you're when now we're preparing to get into the sixth and uh, the sixth book of the Sundering, then I'm, I'm presuming that because of the planning meeting you, you described, you kind of already know how this is going to end. Um, yeah, I have some idea. I know what the plot points are for sure, but you know, knowing what the plot points are and knowing how Ed is going to employ those plot points are two different things. So I'm really looking forward. I haven't read the manuscript of the sixth book yet oh. um, because I, I hate spoilers, and I just thought, well, since I know where I need to be, and uh, I'll just wait to read it like everybody else and enjoy it totally fresh. Well, most I, I can't say totally fresh. 50% fresh, I guess. 50% fresh. Yeah. <laughs> just before expiration date, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So then, yeah, um, I do know whether or not the realms will still be there when Ed finishes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed on that one. So, um, with the um, now that now that you're complete on this, um, I'm, and your part's not necessarily all the way finished, but what sort of things are you doing uh, now to sort of unwind and, and um, now that the Sentinel is sort of told? Um, well. I am working on the next book for the the for my next Forgotten Realms book. Um, so I can't really talk much about it except to to say that it will probably include Cleef and Arietta almost certainly. Well, okay. certainly, and um, probably include uh, Malik and Gingrid and the Goat, and that will be familiar for to, for the people who uh, read the Sentinel. <laughs> Really? Everybody else can wonder, you know, what the heck is a goat doing is in there? <laughs> so, how do you manage to get a goat to become a, cent- a centrifugal, a, a central character? Well, I don't know if he's how central he's going to be. He was, uh, as I was writing the Sentinel, I got to a certain point, and I said, "Well, it would be neat to have a goat 
you know, chained up here at this particular location, so I just wrote a goat in. And then as the next thing that happened was, well, all right, the, I got a goat chained up here. I can't leave him here, so I got to take him off the chain. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon before I knew it, the goat was following my characters through the, you know, through the last few chapters. <laughs> and he became quite a character himself and uh, ended up being a little bit of a symbol of a, of a larger thing. And uh, I just had so much fun with him that if if I can uh, find a way to work him back into the story without, you know, making it laborious, uh, I probably will have him play, hop along and, and play with the rest of the characters. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes the... That's one of the things that, that is really kind of a paradox of writing is that I find that the more I plan the story, the, the fresher it's going to be because there's so many things. If, you're, if you know what you're doing, it leaves you open to explore so many other possibilities and to make adjustments. Whereas if you're just kind of writing in a vague direction, um, you know, you're, you're spending so much energy trying to get where you're going mm-hmm. that you don't have the luxury to take these little side trips. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about doing it that way is that little things like the goat can pop up, you know, and it'll, and it'll be total spontaneous. It'll right straight from my unconscious. And I can just let him play because I know where the story is going and I've, I've got it well enough under control that I can add an element like that without worrying about him pulling the whole story out of whack. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Well, then... Um... So then, um, with um, so where can uh, where can our listeners find the Sentinel then? Um, they should be able to find the Sentinel at uh, Barnes and Nobles, either in the the brick and mortar stores or online um, at Amazon. Um, they, Amazon seems to have gotten over the the problem where they were running a little bit out of stock on the Sundry and are running a little behind. Um, it seems to be completely in stock on Amazon now. Um, and most of their, you know, the normal bookstores where they would shop, uh, let's see. So your independent bookstores, your, your chain bookstores and online at, at most of the online retailers, wherever books are sold. Yes. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> and if it's not there, tell them, demand that they get it. <laughs> yeah. Tell them what's wrong with them. Pound yeah. the counter vigorously. I you were a bookseller. Yeah. <laughs> I demand this book. <clears throat> I will not move until justice is given to me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, are there any plans to be bringing the Sentinel to uh, any other format, such as audiobook? I think so. I, you know, I don't want to say unequivocally that it'll be an audiobook, but I imagine it will be if it isn't already. I have, you know, I haven't checked Amazon to see if um, it's up on. Um, oh. What's Amazon's audiobook? Uh, Audible. Audible, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked to see if it's up on audible.com, but I know that a lot of my other books, almost I think all of my other books in um, the Forgotten Realms are up on audible.com, so it would be astounded if this one wasn't or wasn't going to be there very soon. Uh, I'm looking at Audible right now, and uh, it is, and it uh, looks like it's narrated by Mark uh, Vitor. Okay, I haven't I haven't listened to to it yet. I, I'm a reader, not a listener. You know, <laughs> a lot of people like listen to books while they're driving or commuting. 
But for me, it's like my commute is from my um, living room or my kitchen down to my office. So it would take me a long time to get through a book that way. <laughs> listen to 10 seconds of a, of a book while you go from upstairs to downstairs. Yeah. And listen to another 10 seconds as you go to the can. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that just, yeah. You can't get into it. But yeah, if you got the chance to sit down and read a, read this book, read this book, everybody. Well, thank oh. you. I, I appreciate that because I had a lot of fun writing it. It was an immense amount of – it was a real joy to be back in the realms again after 10 or 12 years, whatever it was, since I was, I was there. So for uh, any uh, any uh, new readers coming in, what other uh, that, that that you know pick up the Sentinel and like, oh man, this is a great book. It's a great style. What other uh, what other books for Forgotten Realms or just outside of the realms uh, have you written that uh, you know you think would be along the same lines? Well, I think if if a person was going to pick up and read a book before they read the Sentinel. I would suggest, or even after, I would suggest that they read Crucible, The Trial of Sirius the Mad, since um, it's set like 100 years before the Sentinel, but Malik El-Sami Yin-Nasir is the um, main character of Crucible, The Trial of Sirius the Mad, and he's also one of the main characters in the Sentinel. He's a, a wormy little guy who, um, who kind of gets drafted into... Um, defending Sirik at a, at a trial of the gods. And uh, the story, he ends up becoming the, the seraph of lies who is cursed by mistress so that he can't tell a lie. And this, the Crucible is a story of how he goes through this particular um, uh, series of events trying to save Sirik from himself while he can't tell a lie. And uh, it's, it was a lot of fun to write, and I, I, one of my one of the books I'm the most proud of. And uh, so I lifted Malik and brought him back for the Sentinel um, after he had spent like a hundred years wandering the fugue plane because Sirik wouldn't retrieve him, rescue him from being dead. Uh, so he was resurrected and, and found himself being involved in in the Sundering once again, serving Sirik, which he's not all that happy about, but has no choice. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, it doesn't sound like that would be a fun time. Yeah, so I would recommend that one. Um, the, you know, if somebody wanted to read a, a whole series, I would recommend the Return of the Arch Wizard series. Uh, that's the one that kind of reintroduces the the Shadowvar to um, uh, Faerun about a hundred years ago, a um, hundred years previous to the time of the Sundering. So. Uh, that's a good one to kind of get a background of who these characters are and kind of, uh, or who the, the villains are, and to to pick up some concept of why they're doing what they're doing. Although that's pretty well explained in in the Sentinel, you don't you don't really need to read anything before you read it. Okay. So, uh, do you have anywhere that uh, our listeners or your readers can go to if they want to, you know, see, you know, you know, hear more about, uh, you know, what you've got coming up the up the the band or you know what you've you've done before? Do you have like a website or a Facebook page that? Yeah, uh, um, I have a Facebook page, which is where I do most of my um, talking about my writing and and politics and you know just what's happening in life, and it's just. Troy Denning on Facebook. I still, you know, friend me personally. Um, I still have plenty of room for friends. Um, so I'm not, you know, 
you don't have to go to the author page or anything. And uh, I also have a fan site, but that's that's you know a lot of the fans that kind of get together and and do their own thing over there. So I'd say you know friend me on Facebook and then go do the the fan site if you want to. All right. Now, are you going to be going to any uh, conventions? So, if people want to, you know, get their their copy of the Sentinel Sentinel signed by you, um, I don't have any plans to go to any more conventions right now. I was just at OdysseyCon in Madison um, last weekend, I think. Okay. And uh, don't have any plans to do more cons um, yet this year. That might change. Sometimes I find out that I'm going to them a little bit later. Uh, but so far, I don't have any any plans to do that. Um, if they want uh, to get a signed copy, there's a I've posted on my Facebook page several times uh, the email address for somebody who's um, at Barnes and Nobles in Roseville, Minnesota, who is handling uh, sending out signed copies for me. Okay. So they can come to my Facebook page and, and find uh, the. Uh, the appropriate entry for that, or just leave me a message asking me how do I get a signed copy, and I'll put uh, put them in touch with the right person. All right. Well, there you have it. Joe, do you have anything? Uh, any last uh, words? Uh, nope, nope, nope. That's about it. We're we're like right on right on time. Yeah, we are. Troy, it's been a uh, honor and a, pr- a privilege to have you on with us today. Uh, we honestly hope to hear from you uh, in the future, especially about uh, Cleef Kendrick or any of the other uh, the the, uh, the goat. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear a book about the goat. I was say. Yeah, so, the goat. Goat's a character. <laughs> So yeah, we'd like to we would like to hear from you again, and uh, you know, go get the Sentinel people if you have not pre-ordered it or if you have not bought it. Do that because you'll we, make an author very happy. Yeah, it's we we, we like to call it the uh, the uh, support uh, Troy Denning getting food fund. Yeah, always a good thing. Yes. So so feed a starving author and get a book for your proceeds. So thank you, Troy, for joining us. Thank, um, thank you. you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you. That yeah, was, it was, it was a lot of fun here, too. All, All right. right. Thank I, you. We yeah, really appreciate it. All right. Uh, no problem. Um, if you uh, just post it on my, you know, go to my Facebook page, mm-hmm. post it when you're ready. I'll just um, pop it up on there. All right. We can do that. Sure. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Troy. Thank you. All right. Thank Have you. a good night. All right, you too. We'll talk to you later. Yep, see you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Troy Denning, everybody. All right. Creator of of, of the Sentinel. Yep, most five of the Thundering series. Making a goat. <laughs> character. I want to read it. I want to read this book because of that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my curiosity is peaked on this one. There's about a dozen and one reasons for me to want to read this book. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's a goat that just kind of can just start. He gets, he gets into the story and he's going to be probably in the, in the sequel. Awesome. Uh, yeah. He's big enough. The goat became big enough for his own first, first sequel part. Ah, awesome. all right. So then, uh, see here before we go, we just need to, I think we need to mention that, uh, this, uh, this episode was brought to you by MB Design Studios. Yes. 
Yes. So uh, as soon as the show's over, if you're going to be designing any uh, designing a T-shirt, corporate logo, or a banner, just contact Nate at nbdesignstudios.com or find him on Facebook, um, and he will he'll he'll follow through with you, and he'll make sure that your logo is up to snuff. All and right. Design Studios. And uh, as always, if you want to get a free book, Mike Osei, The Sentinel, which was released on the first, so you could actually get it right now. <gasps> head to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Sign up for your free, that's right, free audiobook. It doesn't have to be the Sentinel, but I don't see why it shouldn't be the Sentinel. But if you don't want it to be the Sentinel, like you are, you, you actually want to spend the money to get the Sentinel and not just get that one for free. You know, there's literally thousands of books for you to choose from with audible.com. So, do that, and you will not be sad. <laughs> there will be no frown faces. There will be no frown faces. No frownies. Yeah, no frowny emoticons. Nope. You <laughs> you you will you will please appease the, uh, the 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 goat that is our lord and master. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then, um, I guess look forward to us uh, at the the Salt Lake Comic Con fan experience the this upcoming what Thursday Friday. Uh, so, yeah, it's upcoming weekend. Oh, my gosh. I know. It so is just soon. days away. Oh, my gosh. So we have, we'll be doing a live program on Friday morning, and then there will be, I believe, at least one or two panels that we will also be speaking on. So look, please look for us. We might sign We might sign something for you, too. We might. Perhaps. You know, if you weren't able to get... No, no, no. You should. You should get your copy of the Sentinel signed by... By Troy, not by us, because seriously, like, yeah, that'd be we didn't write it. Yeah, that that that's just kind of like a waste of an autograph. Uh, yeah, that is that's waste. That's that's a waste of of a, of a spot for somebody, somebody who actually really actually deserves to give autographs too. So, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll sign your used napkin if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, just bring it in. Yeah. Bring it in. We'll, we'll, yeah, and, and but you do have to provide the marker because we don't have any. Yeah, we're that cheap. Well, well yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. With that, so with that, uh, next week or yeah, next week there will not be a, uh, a regular show on Thursday, but there's going to be a special live show, which I believe is going to be Friday morning at ten o'clock a.m. live from Fan X itself. Mm-hmm. So you can always check that out. If not, you can always check out our uh, archives on Stitcher, iTunes, Blog Talk, or just the DungeonCrawlersRadio.com website for your listening enjoyment. Yep, please as, do. And as always, like us on Facebook. Tell your friends to like us on Facebook. And tell your family to like us on Facebook. Or else bad things will happen. Yeah, I'll be I'll be inspired to send some sort of malware, and then you'll be forced to like it, whether you yeah. want to or not. Yeah. You don't you don't want Joe to release his hacking skills. No, <laughs> you don't want them. All right, so special thanks once again to Troy Denny for being with us. And uh, with that being said, I guess uh, good night Salt Lake, good night world, and as always, get more from your games. I have given a name to my pain, and it is. Batman. <laughs> good night, everybody. Ah, oh, good night.